0: Hey, it is uh, 1 o'clock, 1300 for the military folks, 1116, 2022. Uh, immediately, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, which is the uh, Zscaler Zero Trust Certification. Okay, for the record, I think certifications are questionable most of the time at best. However, I think it's Good that an organization with the bona fides and heft of Zscaler is willing to put some effort into a course around zero trust kudos gold pumpkin sticker or something. However, I think people should understand that anytime a vendor offers a certification program, it's going to ultimately lead you through the vendors side of the equation. Now, it may be subtle. It may be understated. It might be at the end of the thing. It could be um, really far down the road on, you know, where you actually start getting the uh, um, innuendos on the the vendor's offering, but it's there. Now, there's some analyst firms, and I won't throw names out there because I don't, I'm not getting myself in trouble, that put out vendor agnostic zero trust certifications as well. I would say that those are pretty well put together, um, having been involved in some of it. And there's no vendor spin allowed. So if you're looking for a vendor certification and you're willing to or want to continue to be deeply entrenched in Zscaler stuff, by all means, go get the cert. Um, Hooray, put that on your I love me wall. Super duper cool. But just be aware that that's what's going on. Um, Now, me personally, I'm going to, if I see that stuff come out on the market, I'm going to go after it because I think people need to be aware that it's it's going to have vendor stuff in it somehow, some way, some form. That's the reality of the space. It doesn't really make much of a difference, but just know that. Now, because I'm connected to folks and get inside baseball, I can tell you from reading, someone was kind enough to send me screenshots of the certification that they've already taken. Um you know, some of the the super awesome content in there, right? So multiple choice questions, okay? In a true zero trust company infrastructure, one might find, you know, questions like a mobile application that allows employees to access applications, uh, healthy mix of data center and cloud, users and workloads in a headquarter, factory, blah, 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 virtualized DMZ in a public cloud. Uh, another question, if we continue the Roman Empire analogy of castles and moats, What happens when people wanted to work from outside the castle? And there's a question about all roads lead back to Rome. Um, Again, it's not a bad thing, but those those are questions that you could find in 100 different spaces. So somebody else also hit me up on LinkedIn and said, hey, well, where's a bunch of resources for zero trust? Number one, not that I... I care if you read it or not. I would Oh, I would like you to. I put a newsletter out every week where I crawl through the Zero Trust uh, news articles. I crawl through research that's applicable in the context of the team. I put that shit out free to the market. Listen to it. Read it. Whatever you want. Great. Um, there's a bunch of books published on Zero Trust. Uh, there's Zero Trust Security from Jason Garbus and Jerry Chapman. Awesome book. Uh, there's another Zero Trust Security book from Evan. Super book. There's... A Zero Trust book from a, a boss and Benil. Um, I'll put the links to all these things in the follow-up to this. I'm looking at three other books on Zero Trust related topics here as well. There's NIST, which is free. Anyone that buys something that NIST has published, you're getting ripped off. Go get the free shit. Um, there's videos. There's there There's so much material out there on Zero Trust that if you can't find Zero Trust material to educate yourself, you are either willfully ignorant or you are illiterate. I mean, that's literally what it has to be because there's, there's so much material out there, it's mind-boggling. If you want to pay for a vendor thing, I think this cert is like 300 bucks, something like that. Go nuts. If you got the money, please enjoy. I hope it's what you were looking for. However, if you like free shit and you don't want to pay for a vendor to train you on vendor stuff at some point, Go read. The, the internet is for things other than looking at porn and sending pictures to Nana. You can find all kinds of amazing topics out there. Amazon has got great books on it. Um, read, watch YouTube, like those things. It's it's awesome. You can find. You can figure all this crap out and never pay a nickel. And if you are someone that's looking for ZT material and you can't find it, please DM me. I will connect you with people that either have the content or know where the stuff is and can get it to you. Don't pay for for that (laughs) would be my suggestion. But again, if you want to, it is a free world as far as I know. Go bonkers. Help yourself. Um, But someone's got to be willing to say that the, the honest truth about things. And that's what I'll do. So there we are. Okay. So. I'll get off of that soapbox because I like to move fast because nobody gives you more than 30 minutes of attention anyway. Let's let's go through some of the stuff that came up recently um, on Medibank and the Australian side of things. And I'm not an Aussie. I've talked with people in Australia. They're amazing. Um, But there's some weird stuff going on here that I think people in that region are probably getting um, wrong or are being misled on. So there's an article... Uh, published today, 9news.com.au. Uh, um, and it says, government announces team to hack the hackers after Medibank cyber attack. Okay, so number one, um, having worked in Fort Meade and other areas of the government that do operational type of stuff like this, Aussies know that there is already a team of really good people that is built to the type of currently already exists. It's been existing for quite a while. They do this stuff and covertly um, and that's, that's a good thing. So know that that's already there. So the government trying to tell you that they're gonna put a team together to do this is a bit of posturing. Um, now on top of that, and I'm quoting here, the smartest and toughest cybersecurity experts in Australia have been tasked with hunting down hackers in an overhaul of the nation's law enforcement methods. The federal government today announced a new partnership between Australian Federal Police and the Australian Signals Directorate, which is kind of like the Aussie NSA. The team of 100 officers between two agencies will seek to hack the hackers, Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill said. Uh, The criminals we are up against have adapted their ways, and so have we, she said. This is the formalization of a partnership, a standing body within the Australian government, which will day in, day out hunt down the scumbags, quoting, who are responsible for these malicious crimes against innocent people. The changes come after serious data breaches at Optus and MetaBank. Attorney General Mark Dreyfus said a bill will be before the Senate soon, which will increase the maximum penalties for companies who are subject to serious data breaches. The AFP will be working with all international partners that includes Interpol and includes calling on countries to assist in the elimination of this type of cybercrime. Um, his comments come after the AFP identified the MetaBank cyber criminals as coming from Russia. Again, attribution is always something that should be questioned. I think it's not hard to run through jump servers, and that's what criminal organizations do. Anytime somebody says they have unequivocal proof that something is attributed to a particular area, uh, I would always take a little bit of time to double check that. Um, and the Russians are honestly pretty busy right now. So even amongst ransomware groups is considered beyond the pale to do what happened here. O'Neill said, I don't think any leader of any country in the world would surely condone this activity. Well, no, nobody would condone it. But this type of shit's been happening for a long time. In a statement issued overnight, the Russian embassy in Canberra said the media announcement was made before they were told. Um, and this is The Russians. We encourage the AFP to duly get in touch with the respective Russian law enforcement agencies because that will do you so much good. Um, Yeah, all options remain under consideration. Okay, super. Um, You know, then there's another article in AFR.com, Hack the Hacker's new task force to target cyber criminals. I mean, as far as I know, there was task forces to do this stuff when I was uh, sitting in skiffs. Um, I maybe um, there wasn't a good collaboration between the Aussie police and the ASD. Um, that's a problem for a whole lot of reasons, but I don't think that, you know, I think this, in my opinion, if this was in the U S this sounds like a lot of political posturing, this type of thing should have been done quite a while ago. Um, and unfortunately this continues to prove the reality that organizations don't respond to things or don't plan for things until it hits them right in the face. Um, again, you know, last week I, I went through some of the Medibank stuff, um, still have some issues there, but I mean, just looking at Australia, uh, because again, you can do this and I have to be careful too here because I'm dealing with international stuff and the rules in Australia aren't the same. They are in the U S but again, everything I do is okay legally. Um, Just, you know, looking around, it's not hard to find a bunch of uh, no authentication required port 3389 things that are connected to Australian infrastructure. I see about 1100 of them um, right now. And funny enough, the ones that are uh, that don't have authentication really tied to them are Windows Server 2012 R2 builds. um, And they do say. There's a warning thing that says this is a private computer, but it doesn't have all anything other than that on it. You click okay and you could get into it. I'm not doing that because that'd be breaking the law, but there's nothing else on the, on the other side of that. And that would be a problem um, considering the types of uh, infrastructure that these are tied to. Um, ISP, I see stuff there, um, significant notable organizations, um, computer systems, that type of thing so there's one in Australia like if you guys have a task force you gotta have a task force to go patch your shit uh if I look a little further looking for some other things um the Department of Education in Australia has got some misconfigurations going on um uh primary schools look like they're pretty woefully misconfigured um with the way that they're talking to the internet so Again, if you have a task force, I would go fix those. And then I'm not familiar with some of the other intricacies of how things work uh, in that area of the world. But there's a family trust that apparently seems to have a lot of um, Internet things for cities and towns. And it is all kinds of dorked up. Um, chemistry stuff in Perth. City of Sterling. Uh, program things like there's, there's some issues with that as well. Um, uh, your task force should go deal with those systems because if you're trying not to get pwned, fixing the easy things would be a, a good idea in, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> just know that because it is what it is. Uh, okay, so that's the Australia side of it. Let's talk about the US. Uh, there's an article in Bloomberg, US advises academic researchers on stopping Chinese spying. Beijing has long denied allegations about intellectual property theft. This is by Katrina Mason, published on the 15th. The US Intelligence Committee has begun an effort aimed at stopping spies and hackers from China and elsewhere from accessing American academic research on emerging technologies. Now, if you're not aware, um, China has got things that they've put in play where they talk about the, the long game and the, you know, where they plan on being in 30 years, 50 years, that type of stuff. In the U.S., we can't get past the next two years because of the election cycles and because of just how we're wired. But like, it's totally honest to say uh, the Chinese government and Chinese operational side of things, espionage operations, are focused on the long game. So they're looking to find avenues of exploitation that can give them information on uh, intellectual property innovations. There's a reason that the Chinese strike fighter looks just like the JSF. There's a reason that the shuttles that China has built look just like our stuff. Like They didn't just come up with that and it was miraculous that it just happened to be the same shit. It's because they took it. Now, in espionage operations, do we take stuff from other organizations? Absolutely. There is no rules in cyberspace. There's no Geneva Convention. If you can take it and it's not bolted to the floor, pretty much it gets taken. The new counterintelligence guidance developed in consultation with scientific researchers and federal agencies focus on best practices for academic institutions working on AI, biotech, blah, blah, blah. Um, The best practices for this, again, have been published for a long time. There's a whole lot of organizations that are in the academic space that just ignore cybersecurity for the purposes of collaboration and ease of use and whatever else like if you go in Shodan right now and go look at like .edu not saying you should do this just saying you could you'd be amazed at the stuff that you can find that is misconfigured is talking to the internet like I don't need to be a Chinese spy to go insert a USB in some lab to get stuff I just get it off the freaking internet but that's another story. Uh, this is the article again. Every foreign national requires some level of due diligence, hopefully, said Michael Orlando, acting director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center at the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. That's a lot of office and directors. Uh, he added that U.S. intelligence officials are trying to appeal to the scientific community to protect its crown jewels. They won't do it for a whole lot of reasons, um, political, uh, personal, academic, financial, whatever. I do our, 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 our universities are not going to lock down systems the way that they should be locked down for all those other reasons. Um, unless they are mandated to do that, they won't. They put out this organization, put out a free online toolkit named Safeguarding Science, which provides advice on topics such as stopping insider threats, safeguarding supply chains, detecting phishing attempts and following protocols for overseas travel again. This is all stuff that has been out there for a long time, uh, pretty easy to deal with in most instances. And honestly, you're not talking even about crazy zero trust approaches to the problem. You're talking about just basic good IT security and these universities don't have it typically. Um, so, you know, if you're running an organization that is affiliated with uh, ac- uh, universities, academies, those types of things, just be aware of that. Um. Yeah. Uh US President Joseph Biden on Monday told President China Chinese President Xi Jinping that he wanted the two countries to prevent competition from reaching anything ever near conflict. Beijing has said it wants to become the world leader in several of uh the new emerging technology fields including AI by 2030 and that it is pursuing and investing over 10 billion dollars in quantum. Now You know, they can do a lot of innovation. They can build stuff themselves. They're super smart people in in that area of the world. They're they're brilliant. However, it's easier to steal stuff. Um, And there's, like I said, there's no rules in cyber. There's no Geneva Convention. If it's not bolted to the floor, take it and leave with it. Um, And you'll see that if you look at the... uh, students that come over here and they'll be here for a semester and they'll work in some really crazy high profile lab doing super cool, amazing things. And then they just leave. Well, why did that happen? And where did they go? And why was their you know, visa set up the way that it was? I mean, if it looks like a duck, acts like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's not a hippopotamus. Uh, interesting um, effect on something that I think is personally uh, terrifying Um, This is in AOPA.org. If you're not familiar with that, it's an aviation organization. Cyber incident affected flight planning. Boeing subsidiary Jepsen apparently targeted. Boeing subsidiary Jepsen uh, navigation charts and information provider was affected for several days by a cyber incident began on November 2nd. A week later, the effects on aviation remained unclear uh ch- chart updates have been restored a boeing spokesperson for Four Flight, which is a system that uh, pilots use to plan their tr- routes was never directly affected but rather used as a conduit for information directed to Jepsen customers on november 2nd Jepsen experienced a cyber incident affecting certain products and services we immediately initiated an incident response process and are working to reactivate individual products to our hosted production environment we continue to work to re- fully restore all of our products and services um, the most recent jeffson chart downloads available in jeffson mobile flight deck and Flight mobile are currently effective and in compliance duh, 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 duh. Um, so essentially the thing to note here is and i i downloaded a whole uh faa uh, rundown on this thing um And they're talking about, if you're not familiar with flight sort of lingo, they're talking about VFR and IFR and why this is important. But essentially, it's talking about that if you're able to get into the system, you can change some uh, data and that data could affect the ability for a a pilot to have an effective approach on uh, landing and those types of things. Now. Um, that's notable because you don't want to be flying a plane and not be able to figure out the right way to land. Uh, I'm in the in the process of learning how to fly helicopters. And this stuff is super interesting because it's scary that if someone got into a system, which we've talked about how to move laterally and Boeing is somebody that I've put some information out on in the last uh, X number of months, as far as misconfigurations and avenues for exploitation, seems to me like this is probably exactly what occurred so if you're a pilot or if you fly be aware that uh there's some things going on that could be um that you should at least question um you know the validity of some of the information you've gotten uh twitter's in a whole shitstorm, but I, there was an article that came out on gizmodo uh which was pretty interesting by kelly uh, kyle Barr. excuse me how much did Twitter's verification chaos cost insulin maker Eli Lilly and Twitter itself? The cost of Eli Lilly's insulin has increased by thousands in recent years, but a few fake tweets cut an estimated 15 billion out of the company's market cap. Uh, This is talking about the $8 Twitter verification chaos warped many public faces into gross parodies of their sterilized brands. One pharma company that has long hiked the price of a life-saving drug was caught in the crossfire and may have lost millions because of one fake post. New report reveals just how much chaos one single tweet from a legitimate seeming Twitter account caused the multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical company. On November 10th, a fake verified account going by Eli Lilly and Company wrote, "We are excited to announce that insulin is free now." Ooh. The announcement had over 1500 re- retweets and 10,000 likes before it was finally taken down, but despite the rather middling performance in the grand scheme of Twitter posts, a host of other fake accounts were quick to do the same thing. So it becomes uh, catastrophic as it begins to pick up speed, retweets, reposts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um Uh, And there's a guy that posted, you've got new fake accounts spoofing the apology of the real fake account. So, you know, even when they tried to get back into it because of the whole Twitter thing, you weren't able to know who was actually saying what. The real Eli Lilly account at LillyPad tweeted in response to all the chaos. We apologize to those who have been served a misleading message from a fake Lilly account. Most importantly for the company, however, all the hubbub had an outsized impact on Eli Lilly's very real stock price. Google Analytics shows that after the initial tweet and subsequent copycat accounts, the pharma company's stock sank from $368 a share to $346 a share. Woo! Which, according to economic reports at the time, reportedly erased billions in market cap. So one tweet taking out billions in market cap. The company had been on an upward trend over the past several months, but has not yet recovered to its original price as of reporting Monday morning, this uh, Monday. The company told Gizmodo via email that in recent days, fake parody Twitter accounts for Lily, Eli Lilly, have communicated false information. We're working to correct the situation. The company did not make any statement about how much the debacle costs their company or how this might impact future advertising Twitter stuff. Two unnamed sources who had knowledge of the matter told The Washington Post that workers in the company rushed to contact Twitter and get them to take down the fake accounts. But the post remained up for hours. So hours, billions were affected. Twitter's reportedly cut thousands of employees from across board, Twitter's in a whole shitstorm. storm, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. But so the question of whether or not an organization can have significant financial impact from a single tweet, if things are not managed correctly and that they should be taking care of their, uh, social media posts and have that in under control. There it is. If you're a big company or you're a publicly traded company and somebody messes with your social, you could lose potentially billions of dollars in the market because of one tweet like that's it there it is answer let it be written know this um there's also another i thought this was interesting there's an article in bleeping computer chinese hackers target government agencies and defense orgs by bill Tullis. um duh but here's where it gets interesting uh cyber espionage threat actor tracked as Bill Bug, uh, with a whole bunch of other names, has been running a campaign targeting a certificate authority, government agencies, and defense organizations in several countries in Asia. The most recent attacks are observed last March, but the actor has been operating stealthily for more than a decade and is believed to be a state sponsored group working for China. Okay. Um, operation been documented, whatever. Now, here's the thing, though. So, security researchers, Symantec, say in a report today that Bill Bug, which they've been tracking since 2018, Target a certificate authority, which would have allowed them to deploy signed malware to make more difficult uh, HTTPS side of things. But when you look at the tools that this organization uses, they're really simple. Um, like in previous campaigns attributed to Build Bug, the actor combines tools that are already present on the target system, publicly available utilities and custom malware uh among them are advine winmail winrar ping trace cert route nbt port scanner whatever these hackers help tools blend in with innocuous daily activity avoid suspicious log traces or raising alarms on security tools and generally make attribution efforts harder if you go in here there's actually a rundown on the firewall settings that the adversaries use to establish persistence on the compromised machine upload encrypted data run command And if you read through here, like there's NetSH firewall stuff, talks about the ad rules, there's the router side of it. Um, And then there's a couple of uh, rundowns on some of the specific things that this organization does. This should not execute on any decently configured system. Um, Like this, you've got to be really trying to allow things to go sideways for this to work. And the fact that this is prolific and is literally targeting government agencies and defense orgs and they're going after CAs, that means that there's something that should be fixed over there. So know this, be aware of it. If you're running any of these things on your system, um, you know, this is where application whitelisting or allow listing, whatever you want to say is is pretty interesting because you could solve this problem really quickly lastly uh there's a whole lot of stuff obviously i'm a fan of killing the password biometrics but there's a really really awesome article um that alex weiner who's one of the smartest people i've ever met wrote about um your password doesn't really matter and i thought that that was an interesting title but you've got to crawl through it and see why they say that this doesn't matter um this has been looked at like 420,000 times like uh and it's a little bit older article but i hadn't seen this until now He talks about the realities of how password cracking works and then he gives you some scenarios to run through, right? He talks about uh, password cracking rigs, talks about the algorithms around this, uh, literally exactly how an adversary would go through cracking passwords. And here's where it gets pretty cool. So he's got a table in here that shows you the password length in characters, 6 through 10 characters. Then mathematically gives you the permutations based on that. And then tells you the time in seconds, minutes, hours, and days that it would take for the crack to work on one of those. And, I mean, if you're looking at a 10-character password, you know, your possible permutations are huge. Um, the time in days to crack one of those is 7,694.82 days. That's a long time. And here's the, the takeaway from, right, this. The pass, the point is, and this is Alex saying this, your password in the case of a breach just doesn't matter unless it's longer than 12 characters and has never been used before, which means it was generated by a password manager. That works for some, but is prohibited for others. If you are using a password manager, use the maximum possible length. There's no usability downside if you're already cutting and pasting. Password managers have their own issues, blah, 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 but use the longer terms. Or you could enable MFA. This is why you should enable MFA everywhere. Ultimately, compromised via database extraction and cracking ends up being similar to guessing, phishing, or replay. The attacker must try logging in with the compromised password. And at that point, MFA is your safeguard. Your password doesn't matter except for password spray. Avoid the top guest passwords. And they're in this article with a dictionary checker of some kind or brute force. More than eight characters use a password manager, blah, blah, blah. That's not to say your password isn't terrible. It probably is terrible, given the likelihood that it gets guessed, etc. Your password doesn't matter, but MFA does. Based on our studies, here's what you should take away from this your account is more than 99.9% less likely to be compromised easily if you would use some form of MFA. Now, does that mean that fish, you know, MFA is perfect? Nope. Does that mean that there's not ways for people to get past it? No, it's not easy. It's not the low hanging fruit, but it's there. But I mean, would you take a system, would you take a, a tool or a benefit that can provide you, let's not even say 99%, let's say 90%. If I can tell you one of if you do this thing, you will be 90% less likely to be compromised. Would you do that thing? There you go. Like use MFA, use password managers, set it for long, at least 12 characters, at least 10, 12 would be better. And then go on about your day, enable biometrics and do your thing. Um, this doesn't have to be that hard. This is a great article. It's not super complicated where no one can understand this. Uh, Go read it. Uh, Like I said, I'll throw the links to this into the uh, after session here as well. Anyway, it's uh, been 29 minutes and 44 seconds. I'm going to get this done in under 30 because I try to stick to my word. Um, As always, stay smart, stay safe, stay secure. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.